0: Body. Welcome to episode 8, season finale, of season 1 of the sequelizers. This is the podcast all about fixing bad sequels to good movies. So, if there is a good movie that had a terrible sequel that followed it, we're going to try and fix it. I'm your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me are the two teams of titular sequelizers. In team 1, we have Mr. Alec Plowman. Yes, we do. And Stuart Ashen. Yes, we do. And team 2, Mr. Tom Martin. Hello there. I'm Mr. Matthew's doctor.
1: Oh, oh that was good.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, also, hello. So, as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, this is one of the ones I think we talked about the most when we kind of came up with the concept of this season and mm. the show in the first place. We're talking Alien Cubed, mm. aka Alien 3, aka Where the Rot Set In. Yeah, yeah if you were listening to the last episode,
2: franchise, which you should have been. Uh, we did discuss the fact that this is a really controversial... Well, I'd say really controversial. It's quite controversial because some people actually love Alien 3. Some people can tolerate it. Some people can say it was the natural progression of the series. But most people were just very disappointed. And I kind of want to point something out. There is a very well-founded theory, a very well-maintained theory. That, and we've, in fact, kind of referenced it in the first episode of the series. Where we said Jaws. Jaws is because of Alien. Aliens. Whenever someone thinks about a sequel, Aliens is almost always in that sort, that sentence. And yet, Aliens isn't the quintessential way to do a sequel, because the only way you could... Aliens... Aliens is to make it really bombastic and really big and really Mm -hmm. over the top, and not something you can or can't do that, but the departure
1: from Alien to Aliens is such a...
2: Huge one. Yeah, it's
1: a huge one. that It's very difficult to replicate that. The thing that people also forget (laughs) is that Aliens doesn't just go bigger because that's what everybody says. Everybody says Aliens goes bigger. Aliens changes genre. Yeah, it aliens does, becomes a it war does, movie rather do. than a yeah. horror movie, and therefore it's like, able to do different things. Yeah,
2: guns aren't fired for the first like forty minutes, an hour. Or something. Mm-hmm. It's crazy until like Newt turns up. A fucking ca- new. nothing happens. Gun really. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love Aliens, but <laughs> that crazy crazy
1: tank girl kid <laughs> and the thing with, I mean for me the thing with Alien 3 is the fact that I mean absolutely as you probably will know I'm a huge David Fincher fan so really actually, yeah I know no one really knows that huh. about me it's a thing that I keep quite hidden and so it's, I find it really interesting given um, the amount of reading that I've done about his career and, and the, the production of this and obviously it's well known kind of fact that it was a really torturous production for him he, it was his first um, big studio blockbuster or big studio direction gig after he come off his doing all his music videos and stuff like that. And basically, for, to, to abbreviate it, the studio totally dicked him around. He, he It's kind of like common knowledge. Common knowledge that he, does it. he won't talk about it. He has talked about it in a little bit of an interview since, but he, he's obviously not very happy with it. He didn't get Final Cut, which is famously why he now insists on Final Cut and is why uh, I think what was one of the, the films recently, he turned, he turned down something quite large recently simply because he couldn't get Final Cut. Um, that's like his, his big thing that he has to do. Um, but I find it obviously very interesting watching it. I recently uh, watched—I um, haven't finished, but started watching one of his films in chronological order again. And there's there's a lot of the, the kind of the almost the, the early you can you can see you know what makes him a great uh, director. You know, by the time he gets to Seven, mm-hmm. which is his next film, you know, there's there's those elements there, and I, I really enjoy it because of that. But it's it's just so it, it, knowing the backstory. It's so was chopped around so much in the it's
2: crushing. to it, think of what could have been,
1: yeah. It's- and, I mean, the thing is that, yeah, I mean, you talk about Fincher there, it was a massively troubled production way before he even came on board. The fact Ooh, that he. How the, many rewrites? He's the third director. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Rennie Harlan is the first director, and yeah. then who takes over? I, I forgot who he oh. is. Um, uh, he gets taken off because he can't, he, he literally can't cope with it, and, yeah, and, and then, then, then and, Fincher is back. Oh, God, I've forgotten who it is. Um, the. Uh, the the second director, but he's the guy who wanted to do the wooden prison. Yes. Oh, the episode, Yeah, yeah. And there are so many different versions, so many different drafts. Um, Which, happily, a... ours are not. Yeah. Both of are different yeah. different, yeah. And Fincher, even the the new... Because we alluded last episode to the fact there's two cuts, and my understanding is, despite what they have marked it as, fin- Fincher has not had involvement in that second director's quote-unquote cut. Um, yeah, he has to have his name removed. Yeah, yeah. 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 <coughs> I, I, yeah, I get the impression that... I mean, I mean they've, they've called it the working print. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Think, yeah. I, I think that's what it was, because I think a lot of stuff was then hacked by producers. Because this yes. is the amazing thing, is that working print holds together surprisingly well, mm. considering the big problem with Aliens, <clears throat> Alien 3, as we've said, is that it was in development hell for, basically, since Aliens came out. Pretty so much. you think that there's a, there's like a, a six-year time span there. Mm. Um, and they got to the point where they so wanted to make the movie that they just start started building sets yeah. even though the oh, yeah, was yeah, yeah. So they started shooting before they had a final script, which is...
2: What's the interviews with Paul McGann where he's saying he had this thing about this whole sub-plot um, about him and the alien working together and being like mm. a watchman? It's just not present. Yeah, it, it
1: is in the working.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, um no, exactly. it's, it's some of those things that are just... Again, half thoughts and poorly executed stuff and just being run over as a... Not even a new director, a new feature director. And he's like,
1: for, oh, I never understand that from a studio point of view. It's like, you hired this person to do a job. But they, they hired him to just basically fill in. And I think that's one of the things he says when he, he's done a couple of talks where, he, um, where he's turned around to people and, um, and basically said to someone in the audience, okay, stand up and pitch me your film. And they've literally done two lines and gone, sit the fuck down. And they've sat down. And he said, No. You have to like that you're not gonna get anywhere if you don't you stand up there, if you don't stand up for yourself. And he, was, he you know, it credits the experience in Alien Three with teaching him that. Um and yeah, it just I think there's just so many like offshoots of ideas, both in the the pre production am, am I right in saying that they released a poster at some point where there was an illusion that it would return to Earth? The well? trailer. Yes, the yeah. trailer. The trailer the trailer's the trailer's right. the trailer's <laughs> about it, here. yeah. 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 It this yeah. time this time it's on Earth. Yeah. This time the war is on Earth was the original tagline yeah. uh, in the, <coughs> 1991. Um, there's all kinds of weird stuff that happens, though. So the whole scene with... Um, spoilers, Ripley dies. Um, but the whole scene... <laughs> Ripley, um, the ending changes between the two cuts. Yeah. Um, Ripley has the alien queen chestburster in her mm-hmm. and she jumps into the molten pit at the end of the film... In the theatrical version, the burster bursts out of her mm. as she is jumping and yep. she holds it, holds it in, yeah. into the fire. Uh, in the original ending, it was meant to be that she just jumped into the fire and it was ambiguous as to whether it was a suicide or whether it was the... Yes. Uh, 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 yeah. The reason they changed that, according to the documentary on the uh, Blu-ray... Is the most stupid producery reason that you've ever heard, which is Terminator 2, which had come out the year before, had an ending where somebody yeah. fell into a molten pit yeah. and they wanted to make it different. And so that's, <laughs> that's why the chest gets added in. Well, wow.
3: The chest does a little thumbs up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we all now I know why you and of course they didn't get to Earth until the end of Alien Resurrection. And yeah. then we never knew what happened.
2: Well, uh, that's the thing. In the director's cut of Alien Resurrection, or yeah. the, the cut that's on the, the quadrilogy and the Blu-ray stuff, they show them actually getting off the ship and saying, ah... Uh, and it's like, that was pointless." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, I think a, was I think
1: know, was stick with the previous Yeah, uh, It's not like uh, 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 a yeah. scorched Mad Max-style. It is. It's, it's, it's you know, completely it is. desolate. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's,
2: it's an interesting extra nod that makes nothing relevant. I, yeah. I mean, I do like the idea that there's just big It's the Mad
0: Max universe, confirmed oh yeah, yeah, yeah they right.
2: confirmed they just didn't land <laughs> Mad Max <laughs> and
3: Wally yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't actually mind Alien Resurrection
2: I don't either I'm, like, I'm okay this is the, this is going to fucking divide and by divide I mean between me and everyone else Alien is my favourite love Alien Aliens is a great action film really and a war film yeah. I love it yeah. Alien 3 is a competent film I rather enjoy it. it's, it's really troubled but as a story it holds up Alien Resurrection came out when I was like 16 and I Really loved it at that time. But now I'm like, oh, no, okay, it's not great, but I still enjoy it for what it is. It's quite interesting, there's some odd bits, and it's very action-y, and I get it. Pulpy. Mainstream. Here we go, ready? I
1: don't mind Prometheus.
2: (laughs)
0: Uh, I uh, both (laughs) Resurrection and Prometheus. I don't mind Prometheus,
2: because I think there are some interesting bits, but we'll go... Yeah, that's head. a different discussion I, I would
3: just say I really like Resurrection Prometheus is in my Least favourite films Of all time no, Again I, I didn't like, make it So I give a shit but... It's a shame the That from Resurrection Onwards That they are alien films Because given the provenance You this... kind of expect A lot more from them don't you? Yeah. Mm. I mean Prometheus has, Is beautifully shot And there's some nice stuff In it But the sheer stupidity Of the characters Oh, it? Which yeah. is then the Continued into Alien them. Covenant yes. To an extent yeah. Absolutely yeah. true yeah. And yeah. Then, of course, there's the Alien vs. Predator films, of which I've yeah. never watched. Oh, God. That... I've seen
2: both of them. This one's actually uh, it's,
1: it's a great
3: concept, poorly executed. Yeah, I so agree with
1: that. Funny story New is that it was out. supposed to be a Jim Cameron film. Really? Jim Cameron supposedly was signed up to, <coughs> was on board to do it, or was approached the studio to do it, mm. and Paul W.S. Anderson, is that him? That's yeah, him. it, yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, came in with a lower offer, so they went with him. Well, I like, it honestly it's thought a dumb you were going to
3: say it was originally
1: going to be
0: a Jim Carrey film. Yeah. <laughs> I, I the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. And then I, my mind went to Jim Henson for some reason. <laughs> yes!
3: <laughs> wow. That, that I, that I would be a Jim,
0: Jim Henson,
2: Jim Dark is. Crystal goes dark as it is, so I imagine he would be doing a great Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Why yeah. did we think of Jim fucking Henson and make it all puppets? Fucking sure yeah, mess. Mean, Spoilers. Quickly, yeah. quickly, quickly, quick, quickly, 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 quickly. everywhere. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, oh, I but we can all agree that who have seen it. Alien vs. Predator 2, Requiem is talk shit. Requiem is the best thing, yeah. of the franchise, clearly. Well, <laughs> Alien 3's not... Well, there'll be there'll be people or... listening to this thinking there's not much yeah. wrong with it. And it's like, yeah, yeah well, we... Well, I don't know what you guys have done. We'll, we'll, see. we'll, we'll see, see. So,
3: if somebody is listening and wants to watch Alien 3 for the first time, which cut do they go for? <sighs> working print, absolutely. Yeah, I think working print is the that actually the, holds together. The theatrical
1: one... They, took out so, they cleave so much stuff from it that it doesn't make narrative sense. There are uh, subplots yeah. that disappear mm. and then still. reappear, and mm. character motivations are unclear. I, I, I would like agree. That. Having on my David Fincher journey gone, oh, I'd watch the no, I theatrical. It was called Tom's cut, Life. Called Tom's Life. Decided, oh no, I'll watch the theatrical cut because I always watch the work print. It was it. The, my, it was kind of like Jesus Christ. Like, what in the fuck is this? It's it like just is, um, it's all Blade
2: crazy. Runner. I don't yeah. watch
1: that I don't. I, no, no, no five cut, fucking cuts
2: to that cut. Final cut. Yeah. Final, final cut. cut is yeah. is That's the best, it. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Full stop. And maybe yeah. the Canon one for twenty forty nine. Who knows? Um, probably, probably. Probably. Yeah. 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 You'd assume
2: so. Hopefully, but, we won't have to Sequelise that.
1: I really hope we don't sequelise that. I, I will be, really dev- I will be devastated
2: to. if we have to sequelise Because I'll be honest with you, our sequ- I, you, I can guarantee what Tom and I would pitch as a sequeliser um, for Blade 2049 is kind of so yeah, far we just see what, the Blade 2049. We, what it's what an we've, evil nerve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, but, I yeah, mean, yeah,
1: yeah. clearly with a chance of deep, deep, I mean, And uh, uh, Johan Johansson on the music. And it does look absolutely, like visually it looks beat like bananas, but we will see. That'll be a Series 2 Yeah, It might be. But, um, Yeah, I think on the subject of um, Alien 3, I think the big, uh, well, one of the major falling downs it has for a lot of people is that it is a huge tonal shift. And I think it's really interesting because often our complaints of these things is that they are... All the same. All the same yeah. Alien 3 definitely isn't Alien 3 is its own entity And yet I don't
2: know why we're surprised at that Because again Aliens and Alien Is a huge tunnel, yeah. tunnel shift Yeah it's a that works It's a that works It's because yeah. people are like Yep I'm on board with that It's like We're going to go into this Really interesting Sort of close quarter thing And people
1: like Nope And just as it like, Oh across the board Nope And the thing we haven't mentioned Of course is the fact that The, the issue with it is, it is that they They Kill off two of the best ca- characters, aliens in a pre-credit sequence, and that's the big that that for me is the big issue is that yeah. you get rid of Newt, you get rid of Hicks, you destroy all of the pathos and all of the you lose the audience <laughs> at that point because if you're a big fan and especially if you've done something like you know if you watch Aliens and you're like you know you're so invested in that where is this going to go especially the director's especially go? the director's cut where it is a three you know James Cameron described it as like a three hour t- ride to hell or something yeah. and you've gone <clears> on that ride and they have survived. And then to literally have them so unceremoniously <laughs> off in what is essentially like a like a kind of a heart afterthought yes. is, is that's what it does. But, wrong. I mean at the same time I can sort of see why they did oh, it yeah. because they didn't want to be beholden to it. Michael Bean was super unhappy about yeah. it though, because oh, yeah. he had been told because Jim Cameron had initially planned to do a third one. So both mm-hmm. him and Carrie Henn had been told <laughs> that they were going to be in it, and then he wasn't in it, and then He found out because he had a friend who was on the set that uh, they had made casts of his Mm. body and were having like his dummy in it, and that's why you never see Hicks's body in it is because he vetoed that. He said, "You're not using my likeness," and he ended up they use his likeness on the on the screen. You see his picture. That's the only time you see him. Mm. And he said he was paid about the same amount for the use of that picture as he was for, for Still Aliens. Aliens. Yeah. Um, because yeah. he was someone happy about
2: it. so unhappy. Rightly so. And things like the whole um, Sigourney Weaver and the Bald Cap business, uh, where she had that sort of bet where she kept saying, I'm not shaving my head again. I'm not shaving my head again. I'm not shaving my head If you were doing more reshoots, I'm not shaving my head again. And he said, You can either pay me an exorbitant amount of money. 40,000. Yeah. So she had it written into her contract. That's right.
1: If there were reshoots and she had to shave her head again, they had to pay an extra 40 grand. Yeah. So they ended up realizing that a bald cap sort of thing was cheaper, cheaper than 40 had... grand. Yeah. 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 16 grand for the bald cap that they built because they had to put the stubble That's in. That's right, stubble in, yeah. Because by the time she It is very impressive, though, because it's
2: very hard to tell the scenes where it's a bald cap. And it's a great effect. It really yeah.
1: works. But it's just an example of how much that film spiraled yeah. and how crazy mm-hmm. the reshoots were. Very thing. much yeah. Yeah. It hemorrhaged money for. Yeah. Um, Fox, because it was just in development hell for so long. There was this real tension that I think there always is in the alien films between it being a sort of an art movie and a blockbuster movie. Oh, completely. And all of the directors they had on board came in with such a strong vision. And especially by the third film, the studio had an equally strong vision as what they wanted to do. Toys, Um, (laughs) which is so weird
2: considering. Because I remember my first experience of Alien, the, the whole franchise, was having a bull alien, But I'm pretty sure you press a button and his head sort of, yes, it moves did. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I remember. I don't know why I had that at the age of 12 or 13 or wherever the hell it was, because it's not appropriate for kids to be playing with. I could, uh, I, I don't know. A...
1: As Ashins will tell you, in mm. my academic career, I wrote a, uh, a paper on this. Stuart, on, is this true? This is true. He has on told me. Aliens, uh, <laughs> Action figures. Shit, nice. So I would, I would argue that it was, as I did in my. Oh, in my but that's but another story. That is a story for, for another, another time, time and yeah. another podcast. But we may come back onto colour <laughs> action figures in a bit. Oh, oh, shit. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, basically.
3: <laughs> Full of Star Wars characters, Oh shit! Michael
1: Keaton, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah! We should
2: prepare people Batman as, we, as a lot of preamble of uh, really interesting insight and we should and, We've got so
0: much fucking stuff to about. Yeah, we should get going mm. Yeah. So let's get cracking then. Start off with team names Team 1, Plowman and Ashen. Chicken shit outfit. Yay! Oh, hey.
1: good. If you space <laughs> shark. No, no, no space. we already we we vetoed shit. that. Ours is. Uh Giga's Nightmare. Colon. Street Sharks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: gonna bring that up to
3: Giga's Nightmare. Giga's Nightmare is to have street sharks in his colon. It does make sense.
0: Yep. Isn't that everyone's nightmare?
3: Imagine you're awakening
2: and a shark comes out of your colon. You will not enjoy it <laughs> uh, Smaller penis They have to keep moving or
1: they will die uh, <laughs> Moving through your car to the Speed
4: <laughs> Speed, <coughs> speed. shots speed <laughs> I, uh,
1: I created this piece based on the very happy experience of my childhood Just like <laughs> <mindful
3: man. laughs> It's uh, a okay, yeah, pen- yeah. your pizza <laughs> <laughs>
1: H.R. King and the
3: pizza <laughs> delivery oh, Now there's a sketch <laughs> It's <laughs> one oh, of Write that down one of filmmaking <laughs> well, you filmmaking people a Ouija man. board
0: <laughs> I, <guess>. I don't <laughs> think it makes much
3: difference for him <laughs> anyway. So
0: Chicken shit outfit Yeah. Can we get um. some themes, elevator pitch Kind of a quick summary of your I pitch I guess
1: I will give you, do you want the title first? And title as well of course And the year, okay The title of our film is Aliens Fury <laughs> Okay. Oh, interesting interesting. Released in the year two thousand. Oh. Things include Bioscience Gone Wrong, Corporate Evil. Again. Corporations. Right corporate evil. No.
2: Fuck the corporation. To be very again, another franchise where you kind of have to work yeah. around the corporation.
1: Our elevator pitch. Newton Ripley are on an express elevator to hell as the evil Wayland Utani attempt to weaponize xenomorphs for their own nefarious means.
3: I honestly thought you said Newton Ridley for a second.
1: (laughs) 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 They're literally in an elevator for two hours where she questions his prequel Isaac
3: Newton and Ridley Scott are in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) Newton Ridley does sound more like some brewery or something, doesn't (laughs) it?
0: So over to Giga's Nightmare Carol on Street Sharks. Correct.
1: We are calling our film Alien (gasps) 3.0
3: What? What? Bruce Willis? (laughs) Sadly not It is is
1: being released in 1993 Seven years after Aliens And our elevator pitch is A group of colonists arrive on a distant planet And are greeted by an android contingent Who seemingly malfunction And turn on their masters As the colonists fight to survive They learn that there is more to this pop-up facility Than meets the eye It's Transformer Da-na-na-na-na.
0: So there we go. Interesting. Mm. So we have Alien's Fury versus Alien 3.0 mm. for the season. Mm. For the, season. Mm. the deciding... It's all to play for. It, it is all to play for. Yep. Because I kind of... If we like football, it. this <laughs> would be
1: like the end of the football. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this would be the this thing of the local This decides the football. <laughs> decides the football. football. No this more football. football. It's been decided. Can this will be the end of the football be the tagline for this. (laughs) I I mean, that's what I was going for.
0: guess we'll start off with
3: chicken shit outfit. All right. Okay. Dive into your
0: cast and directors and things like that.
3: I I must mention before we begin that Alec is quite a fan of the Mm. alien-stroke-alien stuff. And he literally wrote this one entirely on his own. Is it was a bit like the Batman like, thing
0: again? Yes, it's, it's, thing it's again.
3: more so than oh, the Batman one. In fact, if you've ever seen a dog that's getting really into a bone and you go to near ear and you And then and it you has try a, and a get mouth away from that comes out. Yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah. And, and then, then it hums it. It's, <laughs> the, it's the dog, anyway. Yep, Alex's face is one of such pride. Like all the ox. So I didn't even get to do any editing. I literally only read this for the first time about ten minutes ago. There was lots of whispering. It's yeah. good though, I was like, right? So it's, basically, I'm going to sit Alec. with a street shot now. Okay. So <laughs> like, Alec, yeah. by yourself, apparently. <laughs> no, no. We will read it together. Oh. Yeah. For our love conquers all yeah. <laughs> If you can
0: alternate words, that would be great. Yeah. We're going to do like, it in springs. That would be greatly
3: <laughs> nauseating. I
0: don't want to be hearing <laughs> that. Da, 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 da,
1: da. Returning in the role of Alan Ripley is, of course, Sigourney Weaver. Carrie Heng returns in the role of Newt. Winona Ryder joins the cast as cool.
3: oh wow okay going proper <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if the microphone can pick up smoke
1: but there's <laughs> a splicing um, eye on that interesting uh, Paul McGann which I've apparently wow I've apparently spoke <laughs> Paul with two L's Paul uh, <laughs> Paul
2: Again, <laughs> Pull again, Pull again. I <laughs> apologise. <coughs> my for my wow outrages. It's not me being furious. It's, it's meaning that's very interesting. Sorry to care. Um,
1: joins the cast as a character called Alvarez, uh, with Charles Dance playing the character of Hilla.
2: There was a wow there too. By the want to chat out director James Cameron. Oh, okay, yeah, that, it's all about okay. JC. Okay. Um, when you're you with Ridley Scott, is all
1: about. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. That makes sense. Yes. Um, director of photography because. I'm looking at you, Tom. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, shit. Sure. Uh, well, uh, Janus uh, Kaminsky. Kaminsky. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you were about to use um, deacons against no, Tom then. No, no, that's, no, a, no. That's, a, that's a fucking low um, right point. Uh, and I'm basing this, somewhat weirdly, on his work in The Lost World. Not oh, a film that he is perhaps the most uh, celebrated world. episode for. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but
2: I think it's like, based it weirdly, on a dream I had. <laughs> <laughs> there was but a big metal thing. I was...
1: Aesthetically, I think that film has a shitload of problems, but aesthetically I think it's great, so that's, that's why I with that okay. Okay. I, I like it visually uh, Music by James Horner Of course with character themes by Peter Frampton um... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Brampton. Frampton Frampton comes <laughs> aboard yeah. uh, Visual effects by uh, Stan Winston Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr mm-hmm. Because they are the guys That did Ains Um I think Alec Gillis and Tom Drift Jr. did aliens. They certainly did three and four, but they're fucking great, so I'm bringing them in. Mm. Right. Let's kick it off. Fiorina Fury 161, a maximum security orbital prison planet with 2,000 inhabitants, owned and run by the weyland Utani Corporation. Alcatraz in space is a brutalist bastard locale, grim, dilapidated, home to the worst of the worst. We open on a riot in progress prisoners locked in a brutal struggle with guards as they attempt to overthrow order. The prisoners look set to win, armed with pulse rifles and other ordnance taken from security staff. Unnoticed by the combatants, several Whelan-Jutani dropships descend on Fury 161's landing platforms. Their hydraulic cargo doors open simultaneously. A sound of inhuman screeching and roaring fills the air, so loud that it calls the attention of both prisoners and guards away from the ensuing conflict. There is a pause, a moment of silence, a calm before the storm. Then swarms of xenomorphs charge from the dropships straight into the heart of the prison riot some of the prisoners and guards panic turning around and starting to run other armed combatants stand their ground and attempt to give fight both tactics prove futile however as the xenomorphs unrelentingly tear through the men and women crushing them melting their flesh ripping them limb from limb these xenos are unlike any we have seen before more animal than humanoid there are lightning fast dog aliens moving on all fours, hulking aggressive bull aliens with razor sharp horns, flying hawk aliens that swoop down on unsuspecting prey. And the riot soon becomes a massacre. All of Fury 161's 2,000 occupants are apparently eviscerated in the onslaught. With nothing left to kill, Zeno's momentarily pause as if unsure what to do next. Suddenly, a high pitched whine emits from the dropships, and the creatures yelp before falling to their knees in a position of submission. With Zeno seemingly subjugated, several Wayland-Utani officials, flanked by a garrison of Wayland-Utani commandos, disembark from the lead dropship. Director Hiller, the man apparently in charge of the operation, turns to his subordinates. As far as test runs go, I'd call that
3: a success. AR-713, an industrial colony. There's good money to be made if you're willing to break your back for it. In one of the colony's myriad docking bays, power loaders move girders into cargo ships for off-world transportation. One of the load operators is a woman in her mid-twenties. Bald-headed, her musculature betrays the unrelenting physicality of her work. She finishes for the day, punches out, and heads to a local dive bar. Sitting down at what appears to be her regular perch, she orders a beer. On a world like AR-713, there are two things to do when you're not working. Drink and fight. It would seem that two of the bar's regular customers, one a grizzled brick shithouse of a man, the other heavy-set and bearded, have the second option in mind. "'Hey, Shrimp, you're in my seat,' shithouse taunts. She turns to face them and, seeing she's a woman, the men begin to catcall. Her face does not break from a hardened scowl. She looks around the bar, sizing up the situation, and then proceeds to beat seven shades of shit out of her would-be assailants.' Turning to Shithouse, now sprawled over the bar lying in a pool of his own blood and teeth, his face a broken mess, she responds, It's not shrimp, it's Newt. Newt turns to watch the television. There's a news report on detailing the prison riot. Body bags are laid out across the prison's central yard area. It claims that Wayland Utani security forces have now contained the situation. Something in the background catches Newt's eye. She asks for the barman to freeze-frame the broadcast. A steel plate in the background of the image is a hole corroded in it, a green residue visible around its edges. It's a sight that Newt is horrifyingly familiar with. She turns from the bar, absent mindedly throwing a handful of credits in the direction of the barman, and runs home. Back in her Spartan, barely furnished apartment, Newt gets on the vidphone. Alvarez, a man in his thirties with a straggly beard and long hair, answers. Newt asks him if he saw the broadcast, if he saw the acid marks. Alvarez says he did. And tells newt that he's bringing the crew over to her place with a plan <clears throat> that he's bringing the crew over to her place with a plan of action he also tells her that he has something for her something that they managed to slip out from under the noses of those Wayland motherfuckers alvarez arrives flanked by his crew dillon and Gollick.
1: like alvarez the wiry straggling looking men in their 30s there is also a figure that Newt doesn't recognize cool a short-haired young woman with a disciplined military look we learn through their conversation that Alvarez's crew are activists that Newt has fallen in with. They've been keeping tabs on Wayland Jutani, particularly their ethically questionable bioweapons division. Based on Newt's testimony of the LV 426 incident, they believe that Wayland are using alien lifeforms to create a legal ordinance, banned under interplanetary law. Alvarez reveals his present for Newt, stolen by Golic from a Wayland storage facility. Inside what looks like a body bag with the remains of Bishop. In spite of his extensive damage, he is still operational. Stunned, Newt excuses herself from the living room, taking Bishop with her into her quarters and booting him up. The resuscitated Bishop talks with Newt, and the pair exchange information that fills in their backstory. Newt states that after the events on LV-426, the Sulaco returned to the Marine Depot from which it was launched. Ripley, Newt was told, died in stasis upon reentry. Hicks was reassigned to a new unit, never to be seen again while Newt was placed in a company orphanage. She reveals that the company gave her therapy, in reality an attempt to suppress her memories of the incident to save face for the company. She says that she forgot what happened for many years until the nightmares returned and it all came flooding back. Bishop says that Newt's account does not tally with his own. He has no record of Ripley dying in his files. He also asked Newt to shut him down. Disconnect me. I could be reworked, but I'll never be top of the line again. She obliges. Returning to the living room, Newt finds that the crew have finalised their plan. Using schematics and access codes that Golick has taken from Wayland, they intend to sneak into the prison facility on Fury One Six One to document evidence of the Xenomorphs, to publish that evidence, to make Wayland's misdoings known to the public, and bring the corporation down through Golick's intel. They have reasoned that the suppression of the prison riot was a clearing exercise to make the facility available for bioweapons operations. Cool, it is revealed, is an android, brought in to access the Whalen mainframe and to steal documents. Newt warns the crew that the Xenomorphs are extremely dangerous and that all of their lives are at risk by going to Fury 161. Alvarez counters that they will be armed with stolen Whalen tech and that the Xenos will almost certainly be contained, but Newt notes it won't make any difference. The next day, they disembark in a stolen
3: Whalen freighter to Fury 161. Meanwhile, on Fury 161, Hiller oversees the construction of the bioweapons facilities. In a meeting with the bioweapons scientists, concerns are raised that some of the xenomorphs are beginning to show signs of resistance to the sonic technology that they are using to control them. Hiller dismisses these concerns, saying that these xenomorphs are animals, not humans, and that they can be trained and domesticated. He says that the resistant creatures are outliers and that they will be broken soon enough. The scientists express doubts, however, and Hiller betrays a twitch of anger. He suggests that, unless they want to work more closely with the Xenos to find out the reasons for their disobedience, they should trust his judgement. Elvarez's crew lands on Fury 161, disguised as Wayland Utani's staff. Using Gallic schematics, they make their way to the containment facilities for the Xenos. Newt is surprised at what they discover. Hundreds of Xenos have been herded into cramped cells like something out of a factory farm. Their animal-like nature also makes them unlike anything she saw on LV-426. She tells the crew that these aren't the same Xenomorphs. They share a genus, but this is something different. She also questions where the queen is. Gollic schematics indicate a biolab, and the crew move on there to find some answers. In the biolab, the crew find test tubes not unlike those in Aliens. They contain face huggers, chest bursters, as well as a number of xenomorphs that share characteristics with various animals. There is also a stasis pod in the corner of the room, familiar and designed to Newt. The glass is steamed over, obscuring the occupant. Newt asks Call to tap into the mainframe and bring up the details of the pod. She does so. You might want to sit down, Newt, she states. Occupant name, Ripley, Ellen Louise. Stunned, Newt demands her to open the capsule. Awakening from cryosleep, Newt brings Ripley up to date on events. She does not remember much past the events of lv 426 and suspects that she has been in stasis since then. However, she speaks of nightmares, of surgery, of aliens, of the traumatic birth of her daughter, Amanda. Alvarez breaks up the reunion. The crew has the evidence they need, and must escape the facility as soon as possible, as calls hacking into the mainframe will have likely brought them unwanted attention. As if on cue, however a squad of Utani commandos flood into the room guns drawn hiller follows them it is revealed
1: that Golick, the man who gave them the intel is a Whalen mole suspecting that newt may have remembered the incidents on lv426 the company has been monitoring her they let them into the facility intending to catch them in the act and suppress them alvarez is livid at Golick's deception but Golick, showing his true colours is flippant fighting the power is right on man but it doesn't pay the bills Speaking of which, Hiller, when do I get my money? Don't worry, Golic. You'll get what's coming to you, Hiller responds, gesturing at two commandos. A surprised Golic is picked up and marched out of the room. You came here to find out what we were doing, Hiller tells the others. Allow me to demonstrate. An observation window opens, revealing Golic, hands and legs cuffed on his knees, in an isolation chamber. At first, Hiller continues, we tried to breed the Zenos using human hosts. But humans are such impetuous creatures, not very good at following orders. Domesticated animals, on the other hand, dogs, cows, birds. They understand their place in the grand scheme of things. He presses a button, and a hatch opens in the isolation chamber. A dog xenomorph bounds into the room, charging for a now hysterical golic. He presses another button. A high-pitched whine emanates, and the dog freezes. It then sits, not unlike a trained puppy would. The future of warfare, ladies and gentlemen, he concludes. As he turns to walk away from the console, he lets go of the control button. Zeno launches forward and rips Golic's head from his shoulders, his screams growing inhumanly higher before his vocal cords snap, at which point he is silenced. His head is removed with such force that most of his spinal column follows it. The viewing screen closes. Hiller instructs the commandos to take Alvarez's crew
3: out to the yard and shoot them, Ripley, meanwhile is to be returned to stasis. Before they can comply, however, an alert sounds. We cut to the Xeno cells where one of the bull aliens is being pinned down by another while a third charges into it, goring it with its horns. Acid blood spews from the downed creature's guts, spraying onto the doors and floor and melting through them. Other Xenos follow suit, sacrificing their own kind in exchange for their freedom. The containment facility is overrun as hundreds of Xenomorphs swarm out of it and through the prison back in the observation chamber hiller is barking orders over the intercom sending squads left and right in an attempt to control the situation with him distracted alvarez's crew takes the opportunity to wrestle weapons away from the wayland commandos and escape an enraged hiller and his battalion give chase down a corridor quickly flanked by more troops one commando sprays a hail of gunfire down the corridor after them hiller responds by shooting him in the face i don't want Ripley harmed he tells the others They give chase, but Hiller's men are cut off at an intersection as a herd of bull aliens charge down the corridor, goring a number of the commandos while ripping others in two. Hiller is seen to escape. Alvarez's team veers away from the commandos and soon find themselves being pursued by a pack of dog aliens. Lightning fast, they zip across the floors and ceilings. One drops down from a vent, putting Dylan to his death. The remaining Alvarez, Newt, Ripley and Call bundle into a room, pulling the blast door closed behind them. They think they're safe, For a moment, but another dog, Zeno, crawls through a grill and into the room. The creature corners Ripley and it looks like she is done for, but it hesitates, seemingly smelling her, before turning on the others. He gores call with his tail, piercing a hole in her stomach from which white liquid spurts. Newt lets off a blast of the pulse rifle aimed at the Zeno's head, and it falls to the ground. Newt patches call up, but an increasingly paranoid Alvarez surprises the group by pinning Ripley to the wall. He notes that there's something not right about the situation. How come Hilla wanted them dead, but her in stasis? How come the Zeno had the chance to kill her but didn't? Call's pupils write out as she accesses the Weyland data files stored in their system. It's because I'm carrying one of them, isn't it? Says Ripley. Not just any one of them, Paul responds. The Queen. The DNA from the Queen Burster inside Ripley is what Weyland has been using to breed these new Xenomorphs. Alvarez pulls a gun and
1: puts it to Ripley's temple. He's about to kill her, but Newt reasons that they can put Ripley in stasis. Alvarez knows people, she states that can remove it, and besides, she's the prime evidence of Wayland's misdoings. Call agrees, and Alvarez reluctantly concedes, though he says he will end Ripley at the first sign of a chestburster. The crew need to get off Fury <coughs> The crew need to get off Fury one six one ASAP AP and begin charting a route to the landing pad. They're only a few miles away, but the place is swarming with aliens. Accessing the mainframe cool states that the upper levels of the facility accessing the mainframe states that the upper levels of the facility have yet to be compromised and that heading there might give them the clearest run to the landing pad. However, it means crossing an unstable gantry for the last quarter mile. given the circumstances, the crew decides it's the best option, stocking up on ordnance, making for the upper levels Meanwhile. Hiller surveys the situation with his lackeys from a secure room in the facility. Grimly, they conclude that they have lost control of the Xenomorphs and have lost too many men to bring them back in line. Hiller does not care about the state of the facility, seeing its loss as a minor setback. But, he reasons, losing Ripley and the Queenburster could be enough to bring the whole operation down. He reasons that they will make their way for the upper levels and states that he and the commandos will give chase. Meanwhile, the self-destruct sequence is initiated. In two hours, Fury 161 will be destroyed, with all Wayland staff trapped in the facility considered expendable. Alvarez's crew makes their way through the upper levels. While they're not crawling with Xenos like the lower sections of the compound, they're nowhere near deserted, and the crew still has to fight their way through a number of close encounters. They make it to the gantry, and observe below a brutal fight between the dog aliens and the bull aliens in the courtyard. Without a queen, the Xenomorphs have no order, and have taken to battling each other
3: in an apparent bid for superiority. They cross the gantry, but, as they get halfway along the bridge, Hiller's men appear at the other side. They give chase, with two dropships rising up to either side of the bridge. It looks like Alvarez's crew is done for. About to give up, there is a sudden ungodly shriek. The crew looks up to see a flock of hawk aliens descending. Pandemonium ensues. The dropships are overwhelmed and crash into the sides of buildings. Commanders are thrown from the bridge into the melee in the courtyard below. Seeing their chance, Elvarez's crew run, though Hiller himself is in hot pursuit. They make it to almost the end of the gantry, but several of the hawk aliens land, separating Cole, Ripley and Newt from Alvarez. Elvarez is surrounded by the xenomorphs. Over the loudspeakers in the courtyard, he hears T-15 minutes to self-destruct. The option to override has expired. He tells the others to run and pulls an explosive pack from his bag. He blows the bridge, sending xenomorphs flying. Call, Ripley and Newt make it to their ship. We cut back to see Hiller's body, which has been flung onto the platform on Call, Ripley and Newt's side of the gantry. For a moment, he looks dead, but we see his eyes open. On board the ship, Call jumps in the pilot's chair while Newt prepares the stasis pod for Ripley. They blast off, watching the facility explode behind them. Ripley is about to be put into stasis by Newt and Call emerges having put the ship on autopilot. Suddenly, another figure enters the bay. It's Hiller, battered and bruised, but still standing, and he wants Ripley. He reasons that they can put Ripley into stasis, and that Wayland scientists will remove the Xenomorph. Ripley and Newt will not be let go... Ripley and Newt will be let go, and the company gets what they want. Everybody wins. Newt calls bullshit, and Hiller, seeing that his bargaining tactics have failed, shoots her in the knee. He tells Ripley that she can comply or he will kill
1: Newt. Newt tells her not to do it, but Ripley puts her hands up and starts to walk towards Hilla, apparently surrendering. However, as she does, she begins to convulse. Close your eyes, baby, she turns to Newt and says before advancing forward. (laughs) Hilla's face turns to fear as she cottons onto what is happening and he starts firing at Ripley. Undeterred, she moves forward, convulsing, breaking into a run. Hilla hits her in the abdomen with the pulse rifle fire, but she keeps on running. With a final ounce of strength, she grabs Hilla in an embrace. He screams as the Queen Burster rips through Ripley's rib gauge into Hilla, tearing a hole through his back. The pair fall. Cool makes for the pulse rifle and unloads a clip into the escaping chestburster, splattering it against the wall. Hilla's body is jettisoned into space. Ripley is put into stasis to be given a proper burial, and Cool helps Newt into her chamber. The documents they have obtained, as well as the dead chestburster, are enough to implicate and yutani They begin their journey to Earth.
3: Ooh, that was intense. Aliens, war and peace. Yeah. yeah, was, yeah. Uh, for for uh, the record, that was seven pages, and the average picture is about three and a half to four. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a lot. Well, there was a lot to uh, like I mean, in that. There's also an epic. nothing like that in
0: ours.
1: I don't really, mean. ours, no, is, so ours is so different.
2: Excellent. Okay. <coughs> so, uh, anyway. an interesting Just saying,
1: just saying, completely different. Okay. Shall we, should we yeah. take it yeah. away, Matt? Yeah. Do you want to take, yeah. uh, take over and do our um, director stuff? Yeah.
2: yeah. We're releasing this in 1993, seven years after Aliens. Our director, we're going with a new director. We're carrying on with the aliens. We're carrying on with the David, but not David Fincher. David Motherfucking Cronenberg, body nice. horror time, motherfuckers. Body yep. horror yep. time. That's uh, on the t-shirt. Of yeah, of scanners and the fly fame, and goes on to crash and existence and other things. Right. So we've got a, for the people in the room, <laughs> we have little uh, crypt sheets to keep track of who the hell is who because there are a lot of
1: cast. For you at home, so um, <sighs> we might sort you out. We don't know yet. Yeah. Wink. <laughs> um okay, no, yeah, 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 our but... book <coughs> With all the notes
0: Oh yeah. yeah And the interview With the
2: actors Who think No it's not oh, Too um, Yes yeah, so, There might be Some pictures On my like, Instagram Things with like, the cast So you can do that Sure Why not Okay so uh, The role of Madison Is played by Jodie Foster Who just finished Silence of the Lambs About Don of age uh, The role of Nathan Is played by Tim Roth On Best Buy Dogs We should mention There's a lot of Really big names Now mm. At the time A lot of these Were unknown yeah, So we're not Going to have Obvious things. So, Tim Roth, Frozen Uh Michelle Yeo will be playing Sioux. Um, she's just been on Play Story 3. She hadn't done, at this point, the um, Bond film she was in, Tomorrow Never Dies, So, she's not really known to Western Warnings at this point. Uh, anyway, to, to, to please Stuart Ash, and we put Bill
0: Pullman in there. This is fucking <laughs> <laughs> As prior a t-shirt has, <laughs> The whole
2: thing is Basically just a speech From Bill yeah, Um As prior Can't wait. Um, He done uh, Spaceballs And Sleep He hadn't done Independence Oh no He's fine this Yeah he's not yeah. This um,
3: is Before he has ruined His own time His own street
2: The role of B uh, Of Blue Velvet And Jurassic Park Is Laura Dern um, We have Reinhardt Played by Gary Oldman Gary
0: <laughs> fucking Oldman uh,
2: Again Dracula True romance Hadn't done Leon on At this point Carrie-Anne Moss As Jessica Karen Mosser didn't very little at this point. She was doing very small little bit, bit parts, and she goes on to do uh, The Matrix Red Planet and all those bit pieces. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, as for Ren, uh, who went on to do lots of TV and film stuff, P.S. I Love You and Watchmen and things like that, but at this point again, very small little roles. If you find a picture of Jeffrey Dean Morgan in the 90s, it's kind of weird. <laughs> he's like Teen heartthrobby Kind of guy mm. It's crazy He's a good looking Older
0: man
2: now No, 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 oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry Jeff, um, <laughs> Jeff. It's just more the sense Of like he would Fit with the next guy Who's Connor Played by Brad Pitt At this point Of Thelma and Louise And True Romance fame So he's not nearly The Brad Pitt superstar That he becomes He's just a attractive guy In films And finally Fiddick is played By Vanessa Williams Who was in New Jack City And Candyman At this point DOP Now shockingly Again We've had the opportunity To do a David Fincher film and bring in the Deke but we've gone so against ourselves here we've got David Cronenberg and we're bringing in Stuart Dryberg, or Stuart Dryberg I should say who and the reason for this one people might who? He's the guy that did most importantly for this at least The Piano which is a really dark film as far as the visuals are concerned it's yeah, really beautiful and adorable. The Painted Veil which is a film with Naomi Watts and Ed Norton, and it's filmed all in like nineteen twenties, nineteen ten sort of China, and what is that? I don't know. anyway, and um, it, it's got it's beautiful landscape, jungle sort of stuff. So we thought that would be relevant for what we plan on doing. Yeah, film. interesting. And uh, the composer, because uh, as much as we've had interesting people involved in the entire Alien franchise, we're bringing back Jerry Motherfucking Goldsmith. Because Jerry Goldsmith is my absolute favourite composer as far as films are concerned, um, who did the original Alien, he did The Omen, he did the Google Hunting, uh, and there's time, tons of things, and Jerry Goldsmith is the boss.
1: So, yeah. So, yes. if you're ready, then I shall begin. If you're not ready, we'll begin anyway. The opening shot establishes the cold darkness of space. As we pan, the horizon of a nearby planet eclipses our view. <laughs> a deep rumbling sound is heard as a flaming object enters the frame. We cut back to reveal the planet in question and the now tiny flame ball descending into its upper atmosphere. On board the vessel, the camera glides around, introducing us to the crew and their personalities. We learn that the JWY vessel is automatically piloted and the ten crew members are colonists. The camera follows them preparing for landing, still groggy from deep space hibernation. Some keep to themselves, some joke about the experience, one is sick after eating the assigned rations, etc, etc.
2: As the vessel lands in a clearing of the misty, leafy jungle terrain, the arriving colonists are met by an android, Connor jokes with Pryor, who has little experience with in inverted commas Charlie bots. Connor explains these androids are workhorses and don't need fancy skin, which is why they look like walking mannequins. As the group are led to the main facility, we learn through conversation that the colonizing process is to gather a group of people to an assigned unhabit- un- uninhabited planet based on their abilities and skills. Madison, an engineer, notes that the facility looks surprisingly big and outdated for a pop-up. As a welder, Baran agrees, and wonders
1: if the building was salvaged from another operation on a different planet. Within the facility, several Charlie androids scan and examine the colonists, sorting them into their manifest order. Whilst this is going on, Fiddick observes their reflection and laughs, noting that the assigned manifest sorts the groups into descending height order by gender. Nathan wants to know what's funny about it, but Fiddick loses confidence in her observation and dismisses it. With the inspection complete, the group pick up their assigned boiler suits and are told by Charlie that dinner will be served soon. The group mingle and bond. Prior picking up on possible tension between Nathan and Fiddick, says they will be spending the rest of their lives together, so it would be good to have a brutally honest, clean start. He introduces himself fully and states that he is a political scientist. The room bursts into laughter over the pomposity and stupidity of bringing a politician along before the community has even been established. This ultimately lightens the mood. We're then introduced to Varenne, Madison, Sue, an electronic... We're then introduced to Varenne, Madison, Sue, an electrician, Fiddick, a miner... B, who is a farmer, veterinarian Jessica, Reinhardt, a butcher, and Connor, who is a carpenter. Nathan, who has been quiet this whole time, remains abrasive. He puts an end to the lighthearted introductions by saying that he was a cop back on Earth. He goes on to voice his concerns about the whole mission. His assignment to the colony mission was mandatory after his wife died, and he didn't have a choice in the matter. This sparks an interesting observation that the various abilities and job roles don't exactly align, and that none of the crew have living relatives. Philip dismisses this, saying that surely makes everyone prime candidates for a mission of this nature. At this point, Charlie comes in and explains that dinner is served.
2: The group sits themselves down as Charlie brings over a stack of sealed trays. One is placed in front of everyone. Reinhardt jokes that the precision herding from room to room is like an abattoir. As he says, this a tray is placed in front of him, but observing the contents explains that he won't be eating it, due to an allergy, one which made him throw up during the landing. Charlie pauses and repeats himself in a monotone voice. Reinhardt continues to explain that he can't eat it, and it should have been listed on the profile. Connor, Jessica, and B, who are already eating, tell Reinhardt to stop being fussy and just eat around it. Reinhardt jokes about this, but midway through his sentence, Charlie's hand grips his throat tightly. The entire room breaks into a panic as the android throttles the life out of the colonist. Connor gets out of his chair and tries to help, but suddenly collapses. Jessica and B are quick to collapse too. Varen and Fiddick try to stop Charlie, but Sue explains that the act is futile, commenting on the strength of the mechanoid. An almighty crack rings out as Reinhardt's neck is brutally snapped, and Charlie slowly raises his head, telling the group in a monotone voice, dinner is served. <laughs> Madison, Pryor, Fiddick, Nathan, Sue, and Varenne clamber towards the door, though the various, uh, through the various corridors. As they turn a corner, another Charlie appears and drones, dinner is served. Eventually, the group find an exit and escape into the surrounding wilderness. Back in the dining room, a group of Charlies remove Reinhardt's body and carry the other colonists
1: away. In the jungle, the six remaining crew members argue about the robots going off protocol and where exactly they're going at such speed. They scream erratically at each other as the rain starts to pour down. Sue explains that something like this just can't happen, prompting Prior to panic, walking backwards, tripping over vines, while highlighting that this is one of the worst-case scenarios, stranded on an alien world with no chance of help, where the only living entities are out to kill them. mid rant, Pryor falls backwards into the thicket. The group rushes in... The group rush to the hole in the ground and see Pryor lying in a metallic box. Using vines to lower themselves down, the group investigate the small structure, wondering if it is in any way linked to the facility. Vereen highlights that the technology is ancient, easily hundreds of years old. Nathan doesn't understand how that is possible. They are the first humans to start to colonise this planet. Looking up, Philip agrees, noting the unit was completely concealed by overgrown vines. Amongst the foliage, Madison finds a cracked pod with a mummified body inside at which point Nathan realises it's some sort of vehicle, and there could be tools or supplies that could be of some use. Vereen notes a dirty glass panel with what looks like a weapon on the other side. Tearing away another panel, Sue starts to pull at wires, trying to harness some power to open the hatch. As she succeeds, a series of lights blink on in the vessel, and the hatch opens, revealing a pistol and a rifle. Behind the group, two pod doors rise. Pryor steps around, peering incautiously before relaying to the group, there are people here.
2: The group jumps somewhat as one of the humans in the pods leaps out and grabs Pryor, pushing him into an unlit section of the pod. From the darkness we hear a raspy voice call out, Who are you? before a spluttering woman falls from the second pod. Madison steps over to help, but the voice calls out again, Easy, let's just stay where we are. Catching her breath and standing up, the woman mumbles, Hicks, where's Newt? Catching sight of the mummified body in the adjacent pod, Ripley wails hysterically while Hicks releases Pryor and tries to calm her. The group remain completely confused about the situation, but Madison cautiously approaches, Explains that she doesn't know who they are, but everyone is in great danger. She goes on to explain the situation, and that the android contingent have malfunctioned. Ripley suddenly remembers that the Bishop was on board too, but looks over to see the bulkhead has buckled, crushing Bishop's remains. Hicks finally says that they need to get off the planet. Surprised by this, Felix says, There is no getting off the planet. Colonisation trips are one way. We just expect more colonists and supplies. Ripley asks how long until they can expect help, and Nathan solemnly says, Five years. Ripley starts laughing joking that this has been the worst few weeks of her life, a statement which is lost on the group. After this, Ripley reluctantly agrees to help, and they grab the weapons and start to make their way out of the pod. Hicks holds Ripley back momentarily, noting the group can't be trusted, but admits they have little choice in the matter. Ripley highlights that a few days ago, she didn't think she could trust him either. The two share a smile and exit at the pod.
1: Back in the facility, Stranglebot Charlie is being examined by other Charlie units and an unseen figure. They communicate to each other that he could not cope with any deviation in the plan. Watching a live feed from a boardroom, a group of men drone monotonously to each other. They discuss the disappointing harvest and the loss of the other livestock. After a calm debate, one of them explains that the others will not survive in the wilderness, and once they pass out from exhaustion, a unit of Charlies will be sent to retrieve them. As the conversation comes to a close, we discover that the three individuals are in fact all Bishop unit androids.
2: (gasps) Another reveal! Ripley and Hicks join the group as they return to the facility. The technology appears exceptionally advanced to Ripley, but Sue, um, Sue reassures her that it's all still the same mechanics wires upon wires, corridors upon corridors. Infiltrating the compound, Sue comments that uh, how unusual it is that there are no alarms. Even for a build- budding colony, colony,
1: these kind of failsafes are standard. In darkened room, Connor slowly blinks as he wakes. Looking around, he starts to panic, realizing that he is strapped into a unit with a conveyor belt in front of him. In his peripherals, he just makes out Jessica and B, who are both still unconscious. Connor shouts to alert them, but to no avail. A series of lights come on and the conveyor belt whirs into life. Connor watches as a thick-skinned orb moves into position in front of him. He struggles to free himself as the egg hisses and opens. The contents slither and a tailed arachnid alien launches itself at his face. Sneaking through the compound,
2: the group avoid a patrolling Charlie unit and whisper how they plan to cause an emergency which would warrant sending human help. From there, they would simply need to survive as long as possible, or deactivate the androids until assistance comes. Separating from the group, Ripley's curiosity gets the better of her, and she starts leafing through binders of information. In doing so, she learns that J.W.Y. grew out of the Wayland Utani when it was merged with the Jaeger Enterprises. Furious, she flings the files across the room. Nathan rushes in and scolds her for making so much noise. Tears in her eyes, Ripley says to Hicks, it's the goddamn company. Looking up at a map of the facility, Ripley tears it from the wall and stuffs it in her pocket. Across the hallway, a Charlie unit's eyes flicker. The Charlie's POV is registered to a computer, monitored by the Bishop units. The board realises the intruders have returned and are now armed. One of the bishops states that the facility and the various android units won't hold up against a gunfight, and recommends releasing the batch intended for LV-697. The group reluctantly agree, noting they can make up for the shortfall quickly enough, and type a command into a wall console. In a separate area, a mechanised door emits jets of smoke and slides open. After a moment of silence, three xenomorphs rush out to the, of the containment unit, racing through the corridors. One of the aliens crawls across the ceiling, observing a Charlie unit. The android turns slowly before cocking its head, feigning a bow and pleasantly saying, "Good afternoon, sir." The alien ignores the android and rushes away into the shadows. As the camera slowly backs away, Charlie's voice echoes, "Have a delightful day."
1: <laughs> Stalking through a corridor, the group is surprised as a Charlie unit turns a corner, startling Verine. The welder fires a round from the pistol, which decimates the android's head. Cockily, Verine starts to celebrate mocking the deceased mechanical man. As the group carry on, veering grunts, everyone turns to see their colleague being raised aloft, blood pouring from his mouth. All of a sudden, he is ripped in half, his innards splattering the corridor walls. Hissing, the alien's face emerges from the darkness. Terrified, Pryor shoots at the alien, quickly expending the rifle's ammunition. Ripley and Hicks immediately call for calm as the dying animal's acidic blood melts through Fiddick's face, but the group panic and split up. Remaining with the body, Hicks picks up the rifle before chucking it aside. Furious that they're now without any means to defend themselves before muttering, What I wouldn't give for a shotgun right now. Looking at the sizzling corpse, Ripley examines the body. She notes it's different from the other ones, more streamlined, and has a collar around its neck, like a pet. They hypothesise that as the colonists escape from the facility worried only about androids, these things must be kept separately intentionally. They hypothesise that as the colonists escape from the facility worried only about androids, these things must be kept separately intentionally, unlike LV-426. Madison
2: and Pryor enter into a changing room full of lockers and communicate silently with hand gestures and wide-eyed stares. Hearing clattering in the ceiling above them, um, they both clamber into respective lockers. Through the grates, they watch as the xenomorph drops into the room and investigates before launching itself back through the open vent as Charlie enters the room. Tidying away the vent hatch, Charlie stops and heads towards Pryor's locker. The man freezes, trying to remain unseen. Charlie places the hatch, "'Down by the door before returning to the locker "'and sticking his hand through, mangling Pryor. "'Madison covers her mouth, stopping her scream from escaping. "'As Pryor's body is removed from the locker, "'the alien returns to the room, circling the Charlie unit. "'Tears running down her face, Madison quietly sinks down. "'The alien's face violently shreds the locker unit, "'causing Madison's scream. "'The xenomorph's secondary mouth perforates
1: the face "'of the colonist as Charlie stops and comments, "'Dinner is served.'" Following another Charlie unit down a corridor, the camera stops to reveal Nathan and Sue hiding behind a heating unit. Sue begins quietly laughing to herself, which Nathan tries to snap her out of it. Hysterical, Sue explains that the heating unit they're squatting behind should be burning hot. Pulling at the panel, she reveals that it's effectively hollow because androids don't require heat to function. Nathan realises what she's saying and sighs that everything is for show. Sue confesses she doesn't want to die, and Nathan explains he doesn't plan on dying. The pair continue to execute the plan to signal for help, but are ambushed by an alien that toys with them, trapping them and letting them go before eventually eviscerating them both with its tail. Meanwhile, Hicks and Ripley following the map
2: reach the command centre which is locked down and doesn't seem to have an access panel. They can use or understand. Referencing the map, Hicks notes that there could be an alternate way around through the roof. Ripley quietly helps Hicks up but he freezes, seeing his animal breathing and hissing at him. Looking at the collar flashing periodically, Hicks tells Ripley to back away. Not understanding, she grows concerned. Hicks, very cautiously, reaches for a section of wiring and pulls up a handful. The quivering beast hisses, its mouth opening slowly. Eyeing up the collar, Hicks lunges at the alien and sends an electric surge, which detonates a charge within. The minor explosion kills both the animal and the marine, covering his remaining torso in acid. His entire upper half dissolves as Hitch Ripley watches in horror.
1: The PA system activates and a familiar voice echoes throughout the corridors. Bishop explains this building is a factory for growing aliens. They clean out new worlds by releasing an apex predator, which is outfitted with an explosive collar because it's cheaper than terraforming. The android assumes that the Sulakus pod must have been the cause of the neatly formed plateau that they chose to build on. He goes on to mention that Ripley is barely a footnote in his archives, nothing more. Her heroics and survival are blips in galactic history, but if she surrenders to them, she will have a quick and painless death. Hearing this and falling into despair, Ripley hyperventilates, unsure if there are more aliens tracking her, and erratically goes from corridor to corridor, unarmed and alone. In the boardroom, the bishops argue about the deal
2: offered to Ripley and any threat she may pose. It is eventually agreed that she will be used as a host for an egg if she isn't killed by the xenomorph first. Catching sight of a glowing light, Ripley summons some strength and peers into the large room. Inside, she sees a Charlie unit tossing luggage into an incinerator. Ripley sneaks up behind the robot and pushes him into the flames. As the unit rises in the fire, Ripley looks through the remaining luggage, coming across Madison's notes and compares them to the facility map she took earlier. Muttering to
1: herself, Ripley says she knows a power source when she sees one. Back in the boardroom, the bishops debate releasing more aliens and weighing up the potential losses, they decide the remaining Charlies and a single Xenomorph should be more than enough for one human. From the supplies, Ripley cobbles together a nail gun and several flares before working her way to the reactor. En route, she easily defeats the Charlie Bots. Passing a large chamber, she sees Connor, Jessica and B still strapped into their units. Their chests have exploded outwards and in front of them are cages housing three screeching infant aliens. The all too familiar sights only fuels her rage. Reaching the reactor, she follows Madison's instructions and locks down the room. From here, she starts running around and powers up the four units on each wall. Before reaching the fourth, the remaining alien lowers itself from the ceiling.
2: Realising her munitions are all depleted, we are treated to a very tense scene of Ripley carefully manoeuvring around the room, avoiding the predator. A sudden bang from the door gives Ripley the opening she needs. The xenomorph rushes to the door and begins clawing at it. On the other side, the bishops have realised what Ripley is trying to do, and, are try- and plan to stop her. Their voice is muffled, we can hear them trying to talk her out of the effect of suicide. Utilising the distraction, Ripley runs to activate the final panel. Seeing this, the alien launches off a counter and clings to her back as she pulls the switch, setting off the reactor and dramatically destroying the planet.
1: The epic explosion is undercut by a tiny beeping on a computer monitor. A man in a JWY jumpsuit turns to his superior and relays the destruction of the planet. The manager looks up from his computer but notes it's only one facility of many. The two men calmly muse that the reactor's probably malfunctioned and the manager issues a command to overhaul them, making them more secure. The man in the jumpsuit says this puts them a week behind schedule. To which the manager responds, "It makes no difference." That
3: was my cow noise. That was my noise of <laughs> that appreciation. That's your bull alien noise. No, Bo- bovine Stewart approves. <laughs> my only concern with that is I'll bet when you release it at the cinema, some idiot at the company ruined the Ripley reveal the trailer. Oh, we yeah. didn't trailer, yeah. We'd yeah, have to
2: insist the tra- we'd have to market the trailer, yeah. Because there'd be no way we could have a great yeah. twist to people watching. I know,
3: yeah. I know their mates will tell all that much. Yeah. Is the day's fully proper internet? Yes. You see? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We could, we could it could two.
1: almost be one of those films that isn't an alien movie until people get yeah. in and realise Yeah, it's yeah. An
2: That's kind, alien kind movie. of what it. holds so called. It's like Alien 3.0, and we don't even really, really want to show the aliens in the trailer no. if possible. No, to no, people yeah, thinking, this is
0: a robot movie! Ah, yeah. shit! They've gone robots. I mean, it, oh, no
2: way, Zeno.
3: Unless people would see it, so that
0: yeah, well, we would
2: be kind of we were well hoping there. it'd yeah. be like a 90s,
0: uh, just, much like a sort of like a Sixth
2: Sense mindset of like, just just to see it. Yeah.
0: They think it's androids. The last shot of the trailer is the egg. Yeah. Something like No that. xenomorphs, yeah. just an egg. Yeah. Yeah. The Connor and Egg scene is that the final thing. That trailer. keeps the production company happening. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, I and think that's they like, Don't yeah. spoil it by having
3: Ripley turn up in the middle with the fucking yeah. one man. The end <laughs> <initial laughs> of the trailer,
0: if the executives have the way of it, is her coming out of the stasis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, but we
1: wouldn't do that. We no, would we control the marketing. I, did I miss something there, though? What, what happens to Newt? That's did what I yeah, She's about. the mummified body. The mum of now, there
2: are two reasons for this. One reason is because we would love to bring Newt back, because as as we all mentioned earlier, she's a key component and great actress in a great role well, we're setting this in 1993 She's and we're doing it the stasis pod. We can't stop an actor aging yeah. and we don't want to recast because you'd have to look exactly the same. So technically we thought, do we do this much like you guys did in situ after the pod already? Or what do we do? So we thought, no, we have to kind of kill her off. But we want to keep Hicks and things. We're and we, th- we actually played with the idea about Bishop being alive as well and having him like, overthrow the other things. We thought, no, he's in a such a fucked up state. He's dragging around and like, like C3PO and Empire Strikes yeah. Back.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> yes. it's weird, such an image. So uh, the, the, when the pod crashed effectively
2: obviously, you know, crumples in and kills Bishop and her pod cracks open, so she just ages normally. Oh yeah, got the
3: um Yeah. This means I've misremembered the end of Avens. I thought that uh Newt and in the same park, yeah. They're not at all. No, right, no, no, they're not. I don't think so. That's entirely wrong. No, really.
1: They have that shot that makes it look like, they like are, they're sitting next to each other. Is in
3: the foreground. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Did they take the cat with them? No, no, no. no they didn't. Like that.
2: Jones, you little bastard, you stay here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or no, Oh, no, you no. little shithead, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jones is the, the one that lives. Yeah, yeah. He
1: lives a really full life as a cat. He does.
2: <laughs> That's Thank our sequel Released <laughs> <to be into laughs> several Oh levels. that would be so good What's for film <laughs> Alien 3.0 What's it about <laughs> Jones the cat It's like But
1: what <laughs> It's like No 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 basically like, It's basically like line. Garfield, But it's, it's an existential Drama set on the Space Station
2: Jones hates Mondays <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's 50 years behind And all the cat oh, People don't like In the back so lasagna, lasagna. Yeah. Another t-shirt hey, Jones.
3: Jones hates oh, Mondays <laughs> East. what um, was interesting was I i mean, I had a very very unfleshed out idea for what I was going to uh, pitch for all these reasons is, well. um, is this something like you're going to a you, this are off. you doing an independence day no no students. I'm afraid not I don't have so we that just did it Jones the Cat and cow. that wasn't very no, um, well I only yeah. had Hicks and Ripley survive that mm. was interesting and also cognitive colony of androids yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. because in mind I'm going to be on a world with a poisonous atmosphere so they're the ones that could do it oh that's quite cool blah 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 and I was going to go with another David for directing Oh, uh,
2: let's have sort of think. Yeah, you'll get it. David Lean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Yes, Lynch. I was yeah, going to have with And basically, Fincherton. they discover some of the old space jockey-style stuff, and it's also the fact that the um, artificial humans have been around each other for so long they have all gone fucking weird. Mm. And then they find the answer then. Just was very straight, but I don't know how because I didn't think yeah. that part. <laughs> I don't know a we got with yours, now? That's, <laughs> yeah. So the winner of the season yeah. is Stuart. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but
1: it's still Jones He's the Cat. The <laughs>
0: real winner it? is Jones the Cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent pitches on both parts. I enjoyed both of you in completely different ways. Not even
1: the pitches, <laughs> both of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. As people. Yeah, we 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 I'm all enjoy. four of you as people and as movie pitches. Okay, so I'll start with Giga's Nightmare. Okay. AKA Street Sharks. Oh, that's us. Awesome. I'm going to have
2: Street Sharks what the fuck is going on. Colons, that's
0: us. Colon Street Sharks. Yeah, that's us. Yeah. Um, and the main kind of question I have is there's a very, very slow build to the aliens and I know that's... By aliens, I mean xenomorphs, obviously. Sure. Um, As we kind of touched upon, that does worry me from uh, keeping the audience... Invested kind of thing Like they go in expecting an alien movie And they don't get an alien uh, movie In uh, my
2: opinion If you walk an out of
0: Halfway think... through Fuck you So yeah. <laughs> And I think also we Oh I agree We The we, worst people in the world
1: we, Leave cinema But then people. I
2: would also say that It's probably the same for aliens And alien
1: Yeah you don't get to see A you, great deal of it Yeah Also I think What we would try and do with this Which we were talking about in the break Was With the marketing of this We would kind of tease what's there yeah tease what's that tease that it is an alien film but also try and obfuscate that as well like it would be more it, you know yeah. that people would go in almost expecting um, sort of the android stuff to be Grounded and know that know that there was some kind of link. I mean, almost kind of. I don't hate to use Prometheus as an example for anything good, but almost kind of what they did with Prometheus, where they kind of you kind of went in knowing yeah, that you there was a science a moment moment being, or hoping or knowing that there was some kind of link to the Alien franchise. But where's it's going to be? And there isn't really. And there, <laughs> I know there isn't obviously in ours. There would be. Um, and and it's kind of example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you, you <laughs> I know you. Mean, you know I what mean, no I mean with way the way marketing. So so that's kind of how I thought we would deal with that. And okay. and again,
2: I, It's the Millennium Falcon at the end of the Force Awakens trailer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Some people go. This is all cool.
2: This is all cool. Shit, yes, I'm yeah. in. I'm in, in. Yeah. That, that's what we're yeah. doing. You don't want Ripley
1: stepping out No, we want no. we want the mix we're having. We want yeah. no we want, <laughs> we oh. just want we just want the, we just want to set it up as a really good idea. We we <laughs> almost want <laughs> we almost want the trailer, What well, we, we would insist we would ins-
3: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to sequelise here, I don't know what you guys fuckers are doing.
1: Um, silly voices. <laughs> silly voices <laughs> fucking clearly. Um, go ahead, Tom No um, no we would control, ideally control the marketing in such a way that it, the trailer almost builds it up to be like, wow, this looks like a really, really interesting. Kind of sci-fi film, and then pull the rug, pull the rug right at the it's an end Asian film. with yeah, the, the just a shot of one of the eggs, and oh, which then the you title. do the use of
2: yeah, the really all useful black um yeah screen, in the lines coming up. Yeah. What's the, the, s- what's the, the spelling? End. Alien! The Jesus Christ! Oh God!
0: What this is? This yeah. is so different. The, the day then, before the huge Hall H Comic Con stuff, we're doing it for cinema. Yeah. And it's pre-internet, so you don't get that whole like as you click on the YouTube link, it doesn't say
1: trailer Alien three Yeah, so it'll be
0: just like guess who's back? It's just you're in the cinema. Just happened, yeah. and then oh, yeah. fuck, that's an alien, and then alien. that would the idea being
1: that would hopefully <laughs> you know get people into the seats, and then that would then allow enable us to do that massive reveal at like the one hour point of oh, shit, Ripley. And obviously, we would try and do the thing where like Matt was just saying before, that... we also
2: separate them as well for the marketing purposes as well because then, effectively speaking, you can show tons of them running around and, you know hiding robots and all kinds of things without showing any of Ripley and Hicks,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would do the thing potentially of trying to like with Kevin Spacey and Seven he was removed his name from the poster and stuff and removed their names from the poster and try and and, you know, have, you know, to the point that we would probably have them along at the premiere, but it would be, oh, well, of course they're at the premiere. Because they're the sequel. Because they're uh... because the sequel of the film, and they'd be like, surprise, motherfuckers, we're in the film. <laughs> and then um, just
0: Sigourney, we were standing up, like, an hour and ten minutes in, like, surprise, <laughs> motherfuckers! Yeah, so that's kind of our, our <laughs> crazy plan. She yeah. bursts up in fact. <laughs> yeah, she <actually laughs> bursts out. Out of David Cronenberg's chest.
1: <laughs> I was envisaging this being not unlike the Terminator 2 ride at Universal <laughs> where they are just plugs in the audience at every screening yeah. and then take part in the movie. Yeah. They then they just run into the screen. No, I love just, that stuff. Yeah, that's how it would be. Bring back to Jaws again. So like, we've full circle now. Audience participants. Yeah, Alex
0: uh, bringing it back to film-related theme right. park rides. <laughs> so, any other questions? Um, one thing was you had a hell of a lot of they weren't, like you said, they weren't names at the time, but there's a big cast. Mm-hmm. And Gary Oldman dies in like five minutes, which yep. kind of terrifies me because I See, I love Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. And it was a
2: personal choice, I think, my our fight, But he put in things that the audience would go, it's the holy shit, it's Henry Fonda Henry Fond moment from Once Upon a Time in the West, where you go, oh, look at these people. Oh, I know that guy. He's, uh, he's in Dracula and shit. He's really cool. He should be, oh, fuck, he's dead. Oh, God, it's kicking off. Yeah. why is that one of my is alive without
1: yeah. without spoiling anything they do that in other films in the recent franchise. they have a big cast and they kill off surprising people they do it in every and yeah. film yeah. yeah but they have a big yeah. cast and they kill off surprising yeah. people John Hurt yeah yeah, yeah. 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 exactly so that and that would be our thoughts
2: I mean um, it, ha- it does go badly sometimes oh, yeah. you do have the moment of why is Brian Cranston dead in this Godzilla film? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know there's all that, and we hope there'll be enough there to compensate for oh, that sort of yeah. that missing.
1: I'm, I guess I think I'd add to that, is that there are an awful lot of people. Though. Do you mm-hmm. think everybody is going to get in, enough
2: Screentime time to,
1: to be a character? I because think we have so... enough from the start. But I, I would always
2: bring it back to Aliens as a good example. Alien has a very concise... How many how many alien, Six, seven people in the crew? Aliens has a huge unit, of people, and yeah, there's always the one or two forgettable people in the unit, but you still can sort of say that's this one, that's that one, because mm. they're sort of archetypes. archetypes enough. Yeah, exactly. I think we, we obviously, obviously enough synopsis we, are going to be also, quickly, I think with but,
1: the, the colony story, we need that that first setup needs to feel. It's not going to feel real if there's like four characters because it's just wouldn't. There's a big group of people as it is. We're yeah. just focusing on like essentially, we're focusing on. One abattoir room of the mm. the ship, so you would see in the background there would be like you know, this colony ship might have had like a thousand people, and we're focusing on like a room that has like 25, and in that we're only focusing on like maybe like eight key characters or something like that. Yeah. So, um, that, that's the idea, that's, that that yeah, I yeah. think that's <coughs>
0: fair enough. And
1: for the amount of
0: androids mm. in 1993, what kind of effects are you? Oh, well, just yeah. probably we said about the Charlie bot thing, they're literally,
2: um, have you played. Alien isolation I have That kind of thing yeah. But it really sort of like Oh yeah no, 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 I'm just saying not... How are you doing it? Oh well pre- Practical uh, pra- uh, Practical
1: Yeah, practical. Okay.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. there's
1: never a point Where there's so many I don't think there's an would, really Any CGI to... in the No really? there, there Fair we... enough
0: Do you mean more than Multiple bishops? Uh that, can, no, be done, that can be done. with motion boss, control. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. they are literally yeah. just like uh, again, Mexican Mexican yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. masks, basically. Masks to... and um, different act- similar actors, and, and we we don't have any. I don't believe there's any scene where there's like more than like where we'd have to like do digital. It'd never be right, too right? bad. I mean, even with the no, and, and that's good. easy enough for yeah. motion
2: control. Even for three motion people, motion that's yeah.
0: Yeah, because I was thinking, like, Jurassic Park is around that sort of time, and that's when CGI kind of... See, this is the oh, thing, yeah. we were hoping this was oh, one of the last the... bastions of decent practical effects. And this gets yeah, yeah. to Cronenberg.
2: I don't think he'd be, be pushing... That's one no, of the reasons why we be went be for Cronenberg, because be he's be following true. horror, practical effects, man Manda's right. amazing stuff, so yeah.
3: that was our yeah. reasoning.
2: Yeah. Fair, Fair enough. enough. I would enough. like
3: to see that visually. I think it would be a treat. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of... Yeah, that was an excellent time. That was excellent As an action to reference
2: Unfortunately... You're never going to see that We're going to get more Ridley Scott films Yeah no. About Jesus
0: <laughs> Prometheus 3 Jesus comes. Prometheus, Prometheus.
1: Again, 3. Where Prometheus Prometheus has to fight the, 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 the three. Three. Prometheus Prometheus <laughs> Too fast to Prometheus
0: <laughs> um, So Prometheus Tokyo Drift <laughs> that's, that's the third. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ Tokyo Drift Christ oh, Christ. Do you, you not know me, Your yeah. Fast and Furious No thing? clearly it's, not clearly It's not. the greatest franchise Of all time I know We've had Uh
1: No Another Another story Any other
3: any, uh, other, any other questions? That is everything for you <gasps> guys. I, one minor thing. Oh. Um, sorry, I was, I meant, sorry, sorry, I bloody forgot oh. due to stupidity. Uh-huh. Um, Ripley seems to get over new to death quite quickly. Well.
2: That was the problem. We, we, we In this thing, obviously, we obviously, we skipped know. over it again because there's just a brief paragraph, but it is a case that there will be lots of mourning follow moments no! and ways. Do not restruct and Yeah, so, I mean, we would want to have like I think. initially there was a scene in there where she's still worked up about it, but I think what we probably end up doing is when she's going mental in the corridors, thinking, "Ah, oh, everything is fucked. This has been the worst month of my life, and I'm alone and I'm unarmed." We'd have lots of flash, like, like in Mad Max: Fury Road. Oh, I yeah, people, yeah. Just like, just like, I can't, I can't. People can't. Keep dying around me. I Why can't. am I always the lone survivor? Yeah, yeah, I can't that kind thing. Nice. But you're right. It is. It is because they have to. The urgency yeah, takes you,
3: over. Yeah. The adrenaline, of the story, and reality. Yes. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Back over to chicken shit outfit. It rhymes. <coughs> CSO. thought CSO. Sounds like a burger.
2: It mm. does. That I would not order. If it's got yeah, shit, in it. shit in it.
0: <laughs> chicken shit burger, eh?
2: <laughs> mm. I will not take the chicken. It chicken order. But I'm good gonna have it without the chicken, because I'm vegetarian. <laughs>
1: just the it's shit. Just the shit burger, burger, please. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: There's that cheap <laughs> version of KFC called SFC, isn't there? Shit fried chicken. I mean, exactly, it's one of those southern so fried chicken. I suppose supposed to it. Whenever I see it's it, I think DFC it's a... Is DFC, Denver fried chicken, isn't it? Like delicious, delicious fried delicious
2: chicken. Fr- oh, don't shit <laughs>
0: fried chicken. On Prince of Wales Road here in Norwich. <laughs> hey. <laughs> near Piccolo's. Um, <laughs> uh,
3: sponsorship, sponsorship, please. Yeah. DFC. I, I don't know <laughs> if I see SFC as the Scottish Funding Council. It's <laughs> like some sort of government-provided chicken. I'm sure SFC's some
2: sort of football club.
0: Yeah. Uh, over to yeah. sports, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Mine.
1: up with the weather. Sports is good. Full no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Okay. I no. like. We no, I you
3: okay. don't.
1: do no, you don't. <laughs> <He likes> chasing <laughs> people around the woods. Wait, do you, you do like sport? Sports lifting. <laughs> this the most dangerous
4: game.
2: You
0: something. Fucking Olympics,
2: man. Doesn't count. I just misheard that as I was in the fucking Olympics.
0: I oh, cool, like sports.
2: Yeah. I was the fucking fucking that. Silver and Rio, you cunt!
0: Yeah. Oh, that escalated quickly. Silver and Rio. Really really the Alec Plow would still.
2: <laughs> silver and Rio hiding in the Paralympics.
1: <laughs> silver Silver oh. Silver and Rio are one man's plan to steal someone else's ringmates. <laughs> <living, laughs> <laughs> it'd be like the Hat and Garden Gang, but for Olympic medals, it sounds to me like a Sequel-like sequel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a sequel to nothing. <laughs> so an original idea, then in that regard. Just uh, do a season of just original ideas, it's it's original, original movies. That's exactly exactly what is, is I like. shit we came
0: up. With. Yeah. it's, it's a, That's <laughs> what we do it's between the camera and the mic rolling. Three out of four of you are filmmakers. Mm, that's And, like, and then
2: Alex sings the theme tune. Yeah, I do it a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, likes <laughs> the
2: theme tune. You're the theme in an action's
0: video sometimes? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <I'm> just wait. <laughs> <But I've never laughs> <seen. laughs> anyway, sorry. Guys. So over to Chicken Shit outfit. Yeah. Um, much of the similar sort of vein of the androids for them. The amount of aliens you have yeah, in the year two thousand. That CGI, <laughs> kind of, yeah, what 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 hundreds of CGI at one point, account?
1: I think. What kind of effects are you going for? Um Wizardry. Well, <laughs> I think in part, I think I would point at Aliens, which was a film that managed to convincingly portray that uh, there were hundreds of yeah. aliens in the film while never showing any more than six on screen at any one time. So clever cinematography mindset? Yeah. Okay. And I think it has to be because as you said, CG. You've also got flying aliens. Flying range. aliens. I think that your CG is at a point where you could hybridize it with actual birds. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you could hybrid you could hybridize that with with. Um, with I think no it's feasible. Whatever.
2: Yeah. Because and I've, I've seen, again, 2000s where you've got some really impressive stuff and some really ropey shit. I mean, again, if you take the David Fincher for a moment uh, in Fight Club, there's tons of CGI yes. and it still looks
1: really, really good. But you wouldn't know it's CGI. would also r- remind no. people that you are... Oh, True. Um, A year off Lord of the Rings Yes, So it's yeah. not that yeah. far away that's You're the... a year off Lord of the Rings And you've just had The Phantom Menace Yeah, yeah. See that's what I'm saying, the, yeah. that kind of thing is feasible
2: I think it depends entirely
1: on how much and it's and yeah, used and the, Yeah, the budget as well Yeah, But this yeah. is an alien movie Yeah, yeah. yeah So it's, at this budget, point it's going to happen You're looking at a minimum then, $100 million And a Jim budget Cameron movie. one of that yeah. 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 yeah, and he knows how He pushes the technology A Jim Cameron one post-Titanic That as well at a time when Jim Cameron's yeah. gonna get And of this, this is down. the man who, let's not forget, as much as his f- recent falls, you know, the bit in Aliens where the face facehugger is running through the rain and it, he, it, in the medical, well, the, the sprinkler, and they just drag it backwards and he's just such a consummate filmmaker. He's like, no, no, that's gonna work and then reverse the film and it looks brilliant even though the rain is going the wrong way. You yeah. can't tell because it's bounced off the floor. So, I, yeah. man's a genius. I also you think gotta give we, him that. We deliberately put like amazing effects people working on this. And amazing practical people because I think that.
2: Oh, I have I have one problem. And This is my own, but not my own, But this is my biggest problem with your film, and it's such a weird, petty, dumb shit thing to say. But in your opening bit, you explain about all the different people you involved in the film, and every time we pitch something, I'm always banging on about. It must be the same way that Tom loves his DPs. I uh, love composers, James Motherfucking Horner. I know he's dead. You know, speaking of the dead. But the man's a fucking hack Because <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't speak of the dead
2: Because
3: <coughs> yeah. I don't know
2: right. anything about this So I'm just going to nod No it's because James Horner's produced Some really interesting things he, What he did with uh, like, for example uh, Enemy at the Gates And what he did with um, uh, Arguably I mean, Titanic's very interesting With whistles and stuff like that and, like the floats and things But He, re- <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ But he rehashes And And um, Rework so many of his themes and they become really homogenized that um, I just can't. I mean, for example, again, the Avatar stuff sounds like every other score he's ever done. I, you could say
1: that, sure, but I think that the reason he's there is because mm. he had the Aliens gig. Yeah. yeah. And the Aliens gig, I would argue, is a great theme. And even if he is, it's one of my favorite movie themes, mm. and even if he is just rehashing a lot of that. Mm. I think it's entirely appropriate for the movie. Okay. I mean, there were, there were other choices because I, mean, I love, I think Elliot, uh, Goldenfall's music on Alien 3 is great. I yeah. think he does a phenomenal score. Yeah,
2: but again, this and, is more like a personal opinion yeah. about, about one person because I, I agree with you. You keep building what he's yeah, already done. That's got some big beef with
1: him. I really do. Yeah. But I, I, right back I based it purely on, on the aliens stuff. Well, yeah, you with what's coming before. School. Yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get but that. I wanted there to be that continuity because I think this is, uh, Sort of a sequel to it's not the third alien film. I see this as a sequel to Aliens that aliens, then rounds out that alien's thing. Yeah, it's done by the end of this. No, movie. I get that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's and just more personal, personal rights. You, well, paves, <laughs> paves the way for different alien films. I think that was also a deliberate thing because Alien as a franchise you kind of accept that it's not going to end yeah. because there's too yeah. much mileage in uh, monetary terms. So to leave it at a place where you give somebody a jumping off point but with different cast of characters. That's also why Hicks is written out but isn't killed off. Now in part that's because I felt really bad for Michael Bean when watching the documentary (laughs) about how put out he was about not being in Alien 3. I'm like I can't because he was going to like get killed off Um, but I'm like he can't given how much he wanted to do that movie I can't bring it in myself to fictionally write him out of yeah, I mean, do yeah, you right sit right in a sweat. That's how much rage? love we have for yeah. Michael Bean on this show, ladies and Yeah, um, Bean. Michael if you're listening, we love you. He's you our official mascot. Yeah. The Bean. He's great. So Could he be in a live action version of Street Sharks? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Are we doing a live action everything s- else has been, action.
0: S- everything has been live s- action, right now. I don't remember Street Sharks names well, one of the What them? kind of Street Shark are you Matthew The best kind of The place
2: original place or. kind OG yep. OG Street Sharks OG the Street Sharks You're old Street Sharks I am right? old on Street Sharks I was I was Turtled out With turtles I didn't care About black mice and I didn't care About Strange Street Sharks But The Street Sharks That Tom and I Are You had your Anthropomorphic fill. Pretty much Pretty much yeah. uh, Sorry mean, I, I, Again right That back was Again Personal about James there, But that's all. I completely Get your reason. Just piss on that man
1: Next uh, week, the okay. estate of James Horner
2: versus Matthew Stockton.
0: <laughs> Bring
4: it on, motherfuckers!
0: I was hoping the tone that controls the aliens would be "My Heart would Go On." <laughs> <laughs> I, was so voice voice from. From I was I was, I was hoping for <laughs>
2: burr, 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 well. a Frampton melody.
3: Yeah,
1: sorry.
3: Just, they
0: I can only be controlled by talk talkbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Frampton joke for me. Myland, you tiny Frampton. <laughs> oh! oh no, yeah. You could have gone for that. Whiff. The YWF. Of... Yeah. Whiff. We should have done.
3: We should have done. If Stuart had any involvement in that pitch, you'd I'm must... yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just... I had to get this out of my system. I'm glad. But I, I'm totally holding this one a Like a chest burst. <laughs> the next time you do not get to overrule my Starship Troopers Stroke Independence Day, now that we've had an alien's pitch quite substantially based on an unmade cartoon series made to sell action figures. Yeah, that is, that <laughs> is true. Twist. <laughs>
1: Twist ending. I did, I did get the action figures in there. Yeah, we know. We know, we know, we just haven't mentioned it because we know.
4: <laughs>
1: we know. <laughs> You've named all all the different types of we aliens. The set. hawk, the hawk alien, isn't an action figure. I should point. That's I mean, an that what if you make this movie? Yeah. That's
2: not an action figure. I thought that be... There
1: is a flying. I can literally yeah. see yeah, the advert
2: where there's a big sort of sunburned
1: background and it yeah. comes
3: in. It was just. Flying alien
1: It's flying know. alien queen and
3: that's why we um, couldn't use it
1: because it was a queen. we don't have an alien queen. No, was really. an alien. I was a bit disappointed
3: yeah. we didn't have the guy who dresses up as an alien. <laughs> no, Atax oh, was famously... With his...
2: What, was it, what they call it? His alien... Oh God,
3: Atax. Was it, yeah, what yeah was it, um, with his
2: bug disguise or
1: something yeah, stupid. Yeah. Or God,
3: I remember all his members flying back there. Cyber Bishop with his blast off arms. No. And, um, God. and
1: O'Malley, the Irish Marine. Oh, yes. God. Oh, my goodness.
2: It's all yeah. coming back like Total Recall now. Mm.
1: Oh. I should have brought him along, really, shouldn't I? You no. should have done. <laughs> acted
2: it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, that,
1: was that was would be the back 16 back. hour director's cut <laughs> of Sequel Isis. <laughs> um,
2: we call it the working print. Yeah, the working print. <laughs> I'm glad this is the last
3: episode. So that's an excuse to have it longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so like season epic season finale. Yeah. So
1: Jack, what's it going to be? Who's it going to be?
3: Yeah, when's it going to be? be? Where's it going to be? Why is it going to be? Hey, <laughs> that that, that. See you next <laughs> season,
2: motherfuckers. jetpacks initiate.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we was <were> always <laughs> meant to. Jackpacs <fly.
0: laughs> and <laughs> sequelizers. We were always meant to. Fly. <laughs> That's a good one. Want to quote Stuart? <laughs> no, we weren't. We forty oh, fucking tons. <laughs> I've never done it before. Oh
1: wow God. Jack. Who is it to be?
0: It's a tough decision. I like both. Um, I like what you guys and Chicken. Well, Alec, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know if I should let Stuart take the blame or take the pride for this one. <laughs> L- All fifteen uh, pages of Alex. Minus forgotten <laughs> <script>. lynch. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the elements you did take from Alien Three, you have the, the chest bursting scene at the end and you managed to use that to kill Hilla That was kind of like an like Resurrection. Yeah, that actually burst, came from Resurrection. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um one of the, the few good bits about Resurrection. There's some good bits of Resurrection. Yeah. No, we there are uh, cool. the the
1: aliens melting through the cave. Yes, and yeah, 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 I recognize Respectful, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah of
0: yes. course. Cool. Yeah, lots of bits. Yeah. I liked you guys and your kind of stuff. You guys being the Street Sharks, aka Giga's nightmare yeah. colon Street Sharks. <laughs> um, I liked you guys went a little bit different, a little bit more subtle with your kind of like you said, slow build to the aliens <laughs> and things like that. Um, a little
3: bit more subtle than flying
0: aliens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we were we not it.
3: subtle.
0: It action true. figures. It might not be an alien movie. <laughs> <laughs> All the action figures probably none um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. You might get Android. We'd probably get something. Some like, "Hey kids, do you want to play with stangle this? Stranglebot?" With <laughs> Stranglebot,
1: <Stangle hands? laughs>
0: strangle stangle your bot. friends with this mask. Stranglebot <laughs> <laughs> with, strangle with hand crushing action. <laughs>
1: Mummified note.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Doubles as beef jerky. <laughs> Actually, is, it beef, is jerky. beef jerky in a pack? Literally, is beef jerky oh. in a stasis box. Um, and for the title. Of winners of season one of sequelizers. i a big street oh,
4: Fuck yes!
2: <laughs> well done, yeah, gentlemen. I've got
0: a high
2: five going on. Uh, congratulations, guys. Congratulations and commiserations. It's been a, it's, congratulations. It, it sounds silly, but an eight C se- uh, eight episode season. Neck and neck until the last
0: minute, and I didn't make that no, apart no. from the tie in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have genuinely picked my favourite ones That's throughout, true. and then uh, and again, yeah. I still like every pitch we've had. Yeah. I can't stop
3: laughing at a laugh. over child <laughs> child <laughs> a toy stasis. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty <jerky> and <laughs> Anything else? Can we have like Aunt Baroo and Uncle? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That would just be Torch, that would just be beef jerky. But, exactly. yeah. <laughs> jerky. Every
2: every single future sequeliser's pitch is going to have to have someone who's mummified or dead so we can have a case of... Just, Obligatory well,
0: uh, beef jerky action film. Yeah,
2: the sequel to The Mummy, yeah. uh, The Mummy Returns, will have a
0: lot of beef jerky time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Street Sharks, a.k.a. Nightmare, a.k.a. Sea Sharks.
1: <laughs> and don't name more. Jesus no, no, Christ! Exactly. Variations, variations. We on. we,
2: we yeah. uh, we'll have to draw a line. Now. Yeah, no, that is a Next line season will be something entirely different. We will different.
1: Have, We'll go away. We'll, we'll retire re-brew. the street sharks. we street will go back to the street shop. We, yeah, yeah. we surfed them was... to
3: victory, and yeah. now, now we, we, we need... must ride a new tire. I kind of wanted <sighs> to wait until Jack to, to talked to us up first and say, so what's your team name? We'd say, yeah. Street Sharks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. what you <laughs> <laughs> I would have flipped the table. But I couldn't do that. So next season. season yeah. two, yeah. Stuart. Yeah,
3: yeah. Oh.
1: we'd be awesome. yeah, we, we, no, we, we no. so no. behind by that. We've also no. copyrighted no. them. You have got to
0: be Biker mice from Mark?
3: Really obscure Samurai Pizza Cats. Oh, Samurai Pizza Cats. We could
1: be meat marks. Oh, see. Yeah. No. oh I see I, see. Yeah.
2: I thought I was on a line yeah. of things So did I yeah. I would have so bought it there's, there's things around
0: Congratulations to so Street Sharks! Cool. and yeah. uh, we will wipe the slate clean after season one for season yeah. two so it'll be a fresh start for both of you teams going forward um, we are planning to have a mid-season episode mm. kind of Discuss things, get some feedback from the we, listeners. We do, uh, thumb wars. Uh, thumb wars <laughs> with, with, with they the they little lightsabers. Yeah. yeah. So it's just
3: a, Yeah, <laughs> but the sound,
0: it's nothing but sound.
2: Followed yeah. by someone
3: saying, "God damn it!" Yeah, yeah. and we'll be supervising one of our friends whose son is disappointed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm the
2: youngest. Real life
3: sequelizes.
2: Alex ain't in with kids, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: But no sons. No yeah, sons. And he can't really
2: sequelize twins. Wins. Yay! Six time. Yeah. Well, actually, one, one, one case of the sounds, Why does it sequelize the
1: other? Sequel like? Alec wins again. He <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> didn't win again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did Carol So, yeah, we're going to come back for season two. In between the seasons, we will have an episode. Discussing your feedback, so you can send us an email, sequalizers at gmail.com is the place to go to send us your pitches, if you disagree with me on any of my decisions, if you think the variations upon nothing, chicken shit outfit and the various other names they've had should have won instead, let me know and we'll discuss it before we start season two. Mm. Get it out of your system. Yeah, and don't forget to go to sequelizers.com Just because I'm really pleased with where it's over It does look very very nice. <laughs> yeah. We're all very proud. We're all yeah, very proud. We're all, very, all very proud. We're very proud of the things that Stuart did, and we all just sat there and oh, it good. Yeah, and threw some money in <laughs> <and coughs> them. Jack. Where can they get to find you online? That was a weird. <laughs> 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 they can find me. I'm J L W Chambers on basically everything. Um, I'm like Ashens, and I have one name for everything. I'm just not famous. Um, oh, I know.
1: He you. should be. Oh,
0: really? No. no um, I shouldn't be. Okay.
2: <laughs> we'll meet in the middle of
0: something. <laughs> um, Matt, how about you? How do people find you on the
2: internet? Uh, you can go to Twitter and type in S-T-O-G-H-Z, which spells stocks, and you will find me ranting about uh, the bullshit. Uh, you can also go to theredrighthand.co.uk, read my Alien Covenant review, read my Prometheus review and think, the fuck are you talking about? Um, yep. Or you can go to Cheeseman.com and see some stuff, what I make for visuals
1: and films and things. Tom, where can people find you? Oh, I like this. Well, Well, I like, uh, if you want to find Hunt Me Down on the internet, uh, the best way to do so is via my production company. We make lots of uh, commercial films and other exciting things in collaboration with lots of interesting people. So if you go on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you can find us at Made by Forward. And if you want to visit our rather spangly website, it is weareforward.uk. Stuart, where can we find you on the internet? Well.
3: I'm glad you asked, Tom. <laughs> sorry. You can find me at Ashens, A S H E N S. That's all you need. Just put that in, and you'll find a well of joy. And if, if you click on the ads, if you actually click on my link, probably not. Is that the ring? <laughs> <You see> it? <laughs> it's a little child inside. It's like, oh dear. Before you die, you see Stuart. Stuart. <laughs> on I'm so <some frame.
1: laughs> Alec. Hello. Where can we find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter, Alec underscore Plowman. Uh, you can go to alecplowman.com, which is my website. And uh, I'm also in the band Monster City, so go to monstercityband.com to find out all about that.
0: Cool. Mm. That's a wrap on season one. Yep, you can find us at Sequelizers on Twitter, Sequelizers on Instagram, Facebook, Sequelizers.com, as beautifully designed by Mr. Stuart Ashen. It has moving smoke and stuff. It's, mm. it's rather impressive. And, I saw it uh, scratched on a toilet door once I think we were there as well yeah mm. yeah definitely <laughs> and we'll be back for a mid-season episode and then mm. season two uh, be prepared for us to say fuck
2: you every time you pitch something guys because just saying we have a really hard time just having a you know a two-team situation and you know trying to find a winner there without everyone saying
3: you know what would better this I'm like, yeah, far can whatever. I have my own table come on no, yeah.
0: no. on that note See you See later you in season two. Bye one. Bye.